Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and stand with me this morning as we read these verses from Psalm 107. We're going to start here, and then we're going to Genesis 37, but Psalm 107. Just stand with me, and let's read verse 1 and 2 and verse 43. Psalm 107. Read it aloud with me, because this is talking about the goodness of God, learning God's goodness through trials. This is part two today, all right? And so, let's read it aloud, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Verse 43, whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Thank you, may be seated. The loving kindness, his mercies, his goodness toward us. God wants us to look for him in the midst of our trials and learn of his goodness. Now, make note of this. And just be reminded, how do we do that? By crying out to him in times of distress. Then, you read repeatedly here, then when God brought them to the end of themselves and their circumstance, they cried unto the Lord, and the Lord heard their cry. We look for God in our trial and learn of his goodness by crying out to him in times of distress and then by trusting him to intervene. God intervened every time they asked him to. And then by praising him when he does, thanking him. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Again, that's a theme. It's kind of like the chorus. If this was a song, you would sing a verse, and then you would come to the chorus, and you would sing it again. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. If we look By faith, for God and his goodness in our trials, we will find him. That's what God wants us to be reminded of. Now think with me about this. There are ways and workings of God that we find given and illustrated here in Psalm 107. God takes us out to take us into, verses 3 through 7. He binds us so he can loosen us, verse 10 and 16. He brings us down so he can lift us up, verses 12 through 14. He commands the storm so that he can calm the storm, verse 25 and 29. He diminishes us so he can replenish us, verses 33 through 35 and 39 through 41. Think of the workings of God. This is who God is. This is how he works in each of our lives. All of this teaches us of his goodness, of his heart of mercy and kindness and wisdom toward us. Always ever at work on our behalf to bring us unto himself, to make us more into the image of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking of this about the goodness of God. Galatians chapter 5, we read about the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know that a part of the fruit of the Spirit is the word goodness, moral virtue, pure-heartedness, but also manifest through acts of mercy and kindness, generosity and charity. 
Give me someone who's controlled by the Holy Spirit and I'll give you someone that shows the goodness of God. When our hearts are truly yielded to God, we are better positioned to see God's heart toward us and then reflect it to others. That's what God wants us to see and what God wants us to learn about the wisdom of the workings of his ways. Turn with me in your Bibles back to Genesis 37. Genesis 37. Find your place here. I love studying the life of Joseph. Here he was, 17 years old, a teenager, with a heart for God. God was speaking to him, and he was loved, the Bible says, by his father. Now, his father unwisely showed partiality because the the word of God teaches us in verse 3, Now Israel uh, loved Joseph more than all his children. Or Jacob here, the same name here. Israel, a prince with God, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they, what? Hated him. Now wait, we all know how it ended up with Joseph, Right? I'm going to show you this is the wisdom and the workings and the goodness of God at work in Joseph's life, but not only in his life, but through his life to so many others. And here we are after all these years still talking about Joseph and how God worked in his life, but God had to bring him down. God had to empty him out. God bound him. Think of that. God commands this storm of the envy and the hatred of his brethren to just rise up, to swell up against him. And we think about all the things that God did to diminish him, to take from him all that he was enjoying and living for and looking forward to at this stage of his young life, a teenager with his whole life ahead of him. Amazing. I want you to note some things here and I want you to jot these down if you will. The Bible says the father, Israel, loved Joseph. And as a result of that, his brothers hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. I want you to write this down. Number one, some people hate you because someone else loves you. Some people hate you because someone else loves you. Be careful when someone treats you ill, when someone works against you. Here you are innocent. You have a heart for God. You have a heart for your loved ones. You would think they would have a heart for you, but sometimes they hate you because someone else loves you. They hate you because God has put something in your heart, even giving you favor, according to verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a what? A dream. And told it to his brethren, and they what? Hated him yet the more. I mean, there are degrees of hatred here. It goes from bad to worse. Every time he opens his mouth, they hate him all the more because he told them about a dream that he had dreamed in verse 6 and 7 and how they would ultimately all bow to him. In the last part of verse 8, it says, and they hated him what? Yet the more. And for his words... And he dreamed yet another dream. Now think about it. It's amazing here. Talking about the sheaves that would bow before him ultimately. 
and showed obeisance, which is the word in verse 7 for worship, adoration. And then in verse 9, he tells them about this other dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. And then they told, when he told it to his father in verse 10 and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren, what? Envied him. But his father observed the same. Now think with me. Hold your place and turn over to chapter 50. I want you to see where we're headed here. I want you to see the progress and the direction that this is going in his life. I think it's amazing. After their father died, his brothers asked him, are you going to deal with us now? Are you going to take care of us for what we did for you all those years ago? And he said to them in verse 19, am I in the place of God? That's what I want you to see. Don't miss that. Am I in the place of God? I had to trust God way back then as I trust him right here and now. Many of us want to realize Genesis chapter 50. You meant it unto evil, but God meant it unto good. I see now what God was doing all these years. But we've got to learn to trust God way back here when it doesn't make sense, when people hate us, when they're envious of us, and when they're jealous of us. And we've got to be reminded that hatred and jealousy go hand in hand. Other people cannot see what you see or what God has showed you or what God has put in your heart. They hated him the more and the more and the more and they just got so vindictive toward him that finally they got to the place to where they said, we're going to get rid of him. And in verse number 23, they stripped him of his coat. They will take things from you. People will hurt you. They will take from you. They will cast you aside. In verse number 24, it says, they took him and cast him into a pit. They will sell you out and rob you of so much. Verse 27, come let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were content. I mean, there were those who were ready to slay. Then Judah stands up and says, no, he's our brother. I mean, let's just sell him to, to the Ishmaelites here, this traveling band and, and let them do with him whatever they want. Now, what I want you to see here this morning is that God is still God. God is still good. And God is at work at Joseph's life. Not just for Joseph, but for his brethren here who hate him, who are so jealous of him. They treat him so evil, so ill. They can't stand him. It comes to the place to where they just can't bear his sight. They cannot even tolerate his presence. Yet God is still God, and God is still at work, and God is still good. Do you see this? I really don't want to preach a sermon to you today. I'm praying that God will take the message, the truth of this, and put it in your heart. So when people are treating you these ways or others, is God still God? Is God still good? Is he still working in my life? Does he have a plan that I can trust him with and trust him for? Does he? Or do I just despair and in unbelief say, hey, what does Job's wife say? Curse God and die. 
it's over. It's never going to get better. I mean, look at what we've lost here. We've lost this much. We'll never recover. Our life is over. Oh, we have to be careful. God is always at work in the lives of his children. God is at work in your life. You have to believe this. Oh, they said in verse number 20, we shall see what will, be, will become of his dreams. I want you to underline that. We'll see what will become of his dreams. See, God had put something in his heart, literal dreams, and, and, and it gave a picture of, of all his brethren bowing before him. And they thought, that's crazy. We'll not have that. We'll not accept that. That'll never happen. I've been reading this book about the Hortons from uh, Pensacola Christian College, Arlen and Becca Horton, builders of the dream. Amazing what God put in their heart and all the faith that it took and the sacrifice and then the trial and error even, decisions they made and things he said looking back, things I could have done, should have done differently, but it was a learning curve, a learning process and so many different things that they went through but how God would continue to help them and more and more the dream was put in motion in his time and then over time they could see it unfolding and coming to pass. She said something interesting about her husband when they first met and they were dating. I thought uh, this was insightful. In our college days, I saw my husband's hard work and diligence and kindness and gentleness. Through the years, those traits have deepened and others have been added, such as courage and tenacity to truth and principle. On the basketball court, I saw him scrap for the ball, take it away from the opponent, and move in for the basket like grease lightning. Since those days, I've seen him do the same thing in the challenge of life. My husband has all the earmarks of a pioneer. He is challenged by opportunity. In fact, he sets his goals high and tenaciously moves to reach those goals. He is not afraid of challenges, but moves in life as if he were on a basketball court. He has been able to assess his weaknesses, but has never been stopped by them. Rather, he puts his energies in his strengths and moves on with the job that is to be done. I don't know what obstacles you and I are going to face with God fulfilling what he's put in our heart, but I can tell you this, it's going to take his grace and it's going to take our faith and commitment to trust him in season and out of season when it comes together, when it comes apart, when it just explodes with goodness and growth and blessing or when it implodes and it seems like you'll never survive it. There is a God in heaven. See, a lot of us reap the rewards of those who've gone before us, the pioneers who suffered, who sacrificed, who, I mean, were there and the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and they stayed with it in season, out of season. Do you think this is a pretty picture for Joseph here? He sold into slavery, rejected by his brothers, but something deep in his heart says, but I God, and I believe that he is at work in my life, and if I'll trust him, come what may, God somehow will see me through and bring to pass what he's put in my heart. I believe to see the goodness of God. That's what David said, I had fainted. I would have lost heart. I would have walked away long ago unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe it, Lord. It was tender to my heart this morning as I 
told Rebecca, FBN has played a lot of sermons that I preached long ago, years ago. So I listen now on Sunday mornings just out of curiosity. What did I say? What sermon was that? Because in so many trials, I was just living in the Bible and trying to give the church what God was giving to me. And the message that they played this morning was, this is the Lord's doing, is marvelous in our eyes. And I was talking years ago, if we'll be faithful, if we'll trust God, if we'll believe God in his time, he'll open up the windows of heaven. He'll begin to move us forward. We'll begin to see with greater clarity and understanding what God has for us. He has a timing to all of this. Waiting on God is not wasted time. We're just trusting God for his goodness. We just simply need to know this and be reminded that our God is with us. If you know God's with you, that's all you need in the end. Because sometimes God may strip everything else away from you but himself. And when you come to the place where he is all you have, you will find, you, you, you will find in your own heart that he is all that you need. You will find that. Because as you get over into chapter 39 here, the Bible says in verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 23, the latter part, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. I challenge you to go through chapter 39 and circle how many times you see the name the Lord. The Lord was with him. That, that's what makes all the difference. When you know the Lord is with you. But it says it here specifically, repeatedly. God repeats himself in his word to us for emphasis sake. What made the difference in Joseph's life in his trouble and trial orchestrated by a sovereign God that he would have never chosen for himself. What kept him during all of this sold into slavery, serving in Potiphar's house, falsely accused, thrown into prison, what helped him keep his mind about him, much less his hope? His faith. One writer said, after all that Joseph had been through, it's a wonder he had any faith left at all. Sometimes God presses us. Even Paul said, beyond measure. But I have to believe God. I have to hold to your promise, Lord. I have to trust you in this. Please help me. Joseph just simply knew that the Lord was with him. And God had made him a promise. God had put something in his heart. And he just trusted the Lord that though the circumstance was not favorable, it made no sense to him. He could not imagine how this would ever turn out. And then years, one would turn into two and then three and four and five and then eight and ten. Twelve, fourteen, then eighteen, then 20 years, then 22. Joseph was 17 when God gave him the dream and he told his brothers and they rejected him, did everything they could to, to hurt him, to take from him and to rob him of all that he hoped for. 
By the time they come down during the famine, God again, sovereign and providential, forcing their, their hand, forcing them to come to Egypt, the breadbasket of the world because of Joseph's wisdom that God gave him, you see. By the time they got there and appeared before him and ultimately bowed before him, Joseph was 39. See, I don't know the timing of the Lord in your life, in my life, in the life and ministry of this church. I have to trust God. You have to trust God. We have to trust God together, but he is trustworthy. We can trust him. And we don't know what he might allow. See, that's one reason why we need to be careful sizing each other up. Does that person look blessed? Or does that person look like, I don't know, maybe something's missing. Maybe they're not praying enough. Maybe maybe they are praying even more than this one over here. Don't judge things by appearance. Right now, Joseph looks so far from God, so far out of the will of God. Who would even think? Joseph is a real man of God. Yeah, yeah. Just like Job, right? You know he's in the will of God for his life. You know he is. Oh, no way he's in God's will. If he loved God, if he prayed like he should, I want to tell you, his family would be this, his kids would be that, and I'm telling you what, look at all that's happened to him. You know there's sin somewhere, and you know what? That's exactly what his friend said. But at the end of the day, the Lord revealed the hearts of the people and said, hey, Job, would you pray for your friends? They need it. You hoped that they would pray for you, but instead they persecuted you. If you'll pray for them, I'll bless you. And when he prayed for them, God turned his captivity and gave him twice as much as he had before. Don't judge by appearances. And by the way, I'm not just talking about others. I'm talking about yourself. Sometimes it doesn't look like this is what God wants. This is what God has. That's what I'm saying. When Jesus came, he came exactly opposite of the way that they thought the Messiah, the King of Kings, would come. And and so they, they lightly esteemed him and they rejected him. And sometimes that's where we're at. Can you imagine the pride? Can you imagine the self-righteousness that is in us that we see, that God sees but we don't see? Because we expect this and we demand that and we want the other and if it's not to our likings or to our expectations, we shun it. We even reject it if we're not careful. And yet it's God who gave it to us. I'll tell you, we need to be very careful that we don't miss the visitation of the Lord in our lives because it doesn't show up when or just the way we thought it would. He's still God and he's still good and he still knows what he's doing, right? So we can trust him. We just need to know that he's with us. And he said, I will never leave you. I'm not going anywhere. So count on it. I go with you. So if people hate you, treat you spitefully, if they're jealous of you, if they take from you, if they cast you aside, if they sell you out, whatever they do to you, that's not going to limit what I'm going to do for you. You just trust me. Come what may. And then all these years passed and it came time for them to appear before their brother, the one that God had so blessed and given favor. He had two children 
Now think about it. Manasseh and Ephraim, forgetting and fruitful. God had caused him to forget all of his toil. See, he left it with God. And then God calls him to be fruitful in the place of his trial. Some of us say, this is not the place. This is not, I can't thrive. I can't thrive. Listen, it's not everything out here that God's dealing with. It's everything in here so many times. We can't make the most of the situation where we're at. If we can't be faithful in what our minds, we think that which is least, we will not be faithful in that which is much because so many times if we're not careful, we've made it all about ourselves instead of the goodness of God and the glory of God and God's wisdom, knowing what he's doing in my life and what he's bringing me to so he can bring me through it. He can teach me, perhaps even empty me of myself of my pride or my self-righteousness. All of these things, we miss that. And we think life is just supposed to be this rosy, pretty picture of everything just wonderful in, in every way because we love God and everything is, is just lining up for us. Joseph loved God and God had a plan for his life and God took him down. God emptied him out. God bound him. Think of that. God commanded a storm. God diminished him. But God was still God and God was still good. And God was at work in his life, and, and I'm going to preach a series by the help of the Lord through the life of Joseph. It is, there are so many truths there. But through it all, God showed himself faithful and strong. So much so, I want you to turn with me over back to the book of Psalms, but Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Because it's like a summary here of Joseph's life. But I want you to see verse 16. We can miss this if we're not careful. God knew what he was doing sovereignly the whole while. Verse 16, moreover, he called for a what? Famine upon the land. He break the whole staff of bread. God said there's a famine coming. He already planned this according to the order of events given here, it says in verse 17, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. Do you see that? God said a famine's coming. No one knew this. God began to work in Joseph's life to say, hey, I'm, I'm in control here and I want you to trust me and here's what's ultimately gonna happen. It's not just about you or your brethren, but it's about so many more people. There's a famine coming. And I need someone that I can prepare and position to take advantage of all those years of plenty so you can help save all those people during the years of the famine. Oh, if we could just see the big picture. Isn't that amazing? So maybe God's put something in your heart. Maybe he's working in the life and ministry of this church and sometimes it's like, that I mean, just doesn't make sense. But maybe God, in his infinite wisdom, says, well, here's what I'm going to do, and here's what I plan to do, and uh, because I already have purpose to do that, now here how, is how it's going to unfold. I, I'm going to send someone. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, an individual. God is at work in each of our individual lives. He was sold for a servant. Look how he was treated. All a part of God's goodness. God's graciousness to him and to so many others whose feet, that, whose feet they what? Underline that. They hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Some of us, we're trying to do what's right, but we keep getting hurt. We keep getting disappointed. We keep getting shunned. We keep getting rejected. 
hey, that's where Joseph was. By the way, who's the man of sorrows that we love with all of our heart because he died for us? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was rejected of men. You say, well, if I was in the will of God, then everybody would be rallying around me, singing my praise, saying, oh, let me help you. Thank you for what you're doing. You're, you're willing to serve God. Hey, we've been praying for someone who would serve God. Come on, we'll help you. Sometimes exactly opposite. Exactly opposite. And by the way, I'd rather be Joseph down in Egypt in prison than his brothers back home in Canaan, wouldn't you? With God, God with me, knowing that God was at work in his time, he was going to honor what he had said he wanted to do in and through my life. Because here it is, they heard him, they laid him in iron, see he binds us. Until the time, underline that in verse 19, that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler over all his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Amazing what God did through all that. That's a summary of it right there. In brief, an overview. Wow. God says they laid him in iron, they locked him up, and then it says the king loosed him. God binds us so he can loosen us. We've got to understand the wisdom of God, his workings in our lives. If we're not careful, we'll just in unbelief turn aside and say, this is not goodness, this is meanness. Why would you let me hurt? Why would you let me suffer? Why would you let me be misunderstood? Why would people misrepresent me? Why would people treat me this way? Why would people suspect me of so many things, of a, a wrong motive or evil intent? Why would you let that happen? Those boys thought Joseph just wanted to think he was something. He was better than them. They're going to bow before him. They're thinking, huh, that's not going to happen. We'll see what becomes of his dream. And you know what? They did. Because there in Genesis 50 and verse 20 it says, you meant it unto evil, but God meant it unto what? To good, to save much people alive. That's you and your little ones, your wives and your children and all these other people. God was at work all the while. I tell you, be careful interpreting your present circumstance as if it was totally disconnected from God's sovereign plan and purpose for your life. Be careful looking at other people that way. They may be in the will of God and God may be putting them to the worst and they may be hurting deeply. They may be struggling. They may be suffering. They may be facing all kind of setback and rejection. The Lord only knows what he's going to allow. God allowed this in the life of Joseph and look what God did because if you go back to Psalm 107 here, we read in verse 43, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, that means to take them to heart, to attend to, to look at clearly, narrowly. Just lay aside all other biases or misconceptions of how God must work and, and all these. Lay all that aside. 
and see. This is what God did? Okay. But look how it ended up and the purpose and plan that God had. If you will take these things to heart, the wisdom and the workings of God, you will understand. You will have a grasp and insight as to who God is and how great he is. Can you imagine God says, hey, there's a famine coming in Egypt. And here's when it's coming. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to raise up a young boy to go down there and get the food ready for everybody. And I'm going to be working in multiple people's lives at multiple levels, accomplishing multiple purposes. But this is one of them right here. One thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get Israel there, Jacob and his boys down there, because out of that place, Egypt, the furnace of affliction, I am going to forge a new nation, and they're going to be my people. Isn't that amazing? It's an ever-unfolding purpose of God. And I just want to challenge us all today. The Bible says if you'll, you'll study the ways of God, God actually let, let this happen. That was a part of his plan. Yes, it was. Well, what if this is happening in some degree in my life? Well, I have to deal with it in faith. I have to trust God. God, give me grace. Lord, give me faith. Jeremiah said, truly, this is a grief, and I must bear it. Help me to bear it, Lord. God, just strengthen me and sustain me. And help me to just take heart. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, God, help us. May we be wise. May we take this to heart and see his loving kindness toward us. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.